Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore this system as a map of our unique potential, from the mundane to the mystical. If you'd like to dive deeper into your design, we invite you to our Living Your Design Workshop meeting in February 2022 with recorded material available upon registration. Rave Cartography begins January 12th, 2022. And on December 19th, 2021, for the first time, we are offering a three-hour workshop on the Mental Projector Experiment. If this is your design, you are invited to join us. For more information, go to courses.humandesigncollective.com. We're grateful to those of you who have rated and reviewed this show, giving others a greater chance of finding us. If you have enjoyed listening, please review us on Apple Podcasts. In this episode, we are pleased to bring you another in-depth conversation with Martin Grassinger. Martin is a 4-6 emotional generator who began his exploration with human design, working closely with Ra Uruhu almost 30 years ago. Martin shares his view on self-reflected consciousness, tribal dynamics, the nature of mutation, and relationship. He explores themes of belonging and individual autonomy through the mechanics of the body graph and the planetary program. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Looking at this aspect, that everything is about consciousness. Yeah, we are here to, to experience consciousness in human form based on the consciousness we are equipped with, limited by our design. And then to see what this means in general, but then personal as well. So, how is the interaction with these different areas? which are not mm, taking place in a sense in line, first, second, third, they are always there at the same time, mm -hmm. like the brain. It's the, the body graph is a matrix of the brain. What, uh, what's helpful to us is um, so that we know that there is a hierarchy. If you have several informations in your system, so that at first place, there's a solar plex system. Second place, there's the splenic center. Third place, inner authorities, how it works. And the mind is just for getting a better understanding what's going on inside of you. And then to see when you move through the, through the gate, just to see in terms of self-reflective consciousness, maybe it's interesting what you think. But in terms of self-reflected consciousness, it's much more important why you are thinking what you are thinking. Mm -hmm. Because you can easily think something different or the opposite. So why this? So it's interesting, where does it come from? Who had implemented in you? Is it something that's of service to your system or not? And so on. So we have a lot of aspects which relate to self-reflected consciousness. And then to see, yeah, in a sense, to me, after 30 years now, it's nice to use the body graph finally for its purpose, experiencing self-reflected consciousness, because we are the only life form. Yeah, that's something very fascinating to me. Because being a generator over the last years, there was something 
that I felt because due to a specific kind of frustration, a natural frustration. So the natural frustration of the generator, it's no longer creative. I need something to be creative. Mm-hmm. So, and therefore I was looking some, for something and due to my knowledge of the functioning of the brain and the body graph in the meantime, then to see, okay, why not to, to be a little bit more precise in this aspect, why the human design system was delivered to us. Because we are the only life form with self-reflected consciousness. And what does it mean? And how does it work? What's the anatomy of human thinking? What's the anatomy of human feeling? How are they working together constantly in the background, no matter how your chart looks like? Even if you have an empty solar plexus center, you have an empty ajna center, but you have a bad feeling, you have a bad thought automatically about it. Mm -hmm. You don't need a definition for this or an activation. So this is something that's basically there. What you can see in your body graph is just to see, okay, what's the main topic according to your way to feel, to think? What's your way to move a thought, logical ideas whatsoever? This is an individual specific way of dealing with it, but the mechanism is always there. When you're defining self-reflected consciousness, if we could just get a little bit more specific, is it when there's a relationship between our experience, what we're feeling, and then the thought patterns that we're operating from? Is that kind of how you're looking at it, that dynamic? What you are thinking, because you feel something, that's always individually different. But you can have a feeling because you are in a situation and the situation reminds you on something that you have already experienced, maybe in your childhood. And then maybe you think the same. This person is against me. This is this, this is this. It's just a reflex automatically. And this is in the system. And then, okay, you can talk about if you have an individual body graph, uh, where does it come from? So, or where does it relate to? I don't know where it comes from. But then in terms of self-reflected consciousness, it's the possibility to step back and to see, okay, I could probably feel different. Because the person who was standing next to me, experiencing the same exactly, is feeling different and thinking different. Why am I feeling what I'm feeling, thinking about it, the way I think about it? How does it work? So if I reflect on it, it doesn't mean I can become consciously aware about what's going on inside myself and then to make a decision, okay, I will just unconsciously go ahead with it as long as I live. It seems like to be a repeating. Basically, it's not a repeating. It's just offering the opportunity again to reflect about and to grow and to make a change. That's the basic mechanism. And this is what we see as a description in the body graph. So you can see it as a hexagrams in a row. Yeah, and each hexagram has its label over. So what, what I'm interested in is, is, okay, what's the purpose in life? How does it function in my physiology? 
because the map is not the territory. I talk about the territory because this is what you are experiencing, mm -hmm. the flesh, the nervous system. So what, what it tells you in your body, it's a little bit my, my new project. <laughs> as, as I did it with all the other topics I came up with as, as special health-related courses and so on, it was first of all that I was working for mostly two or three years in my practice with clients and checking it out and asking and, and, and all of that stuff and verifying, then slowly but surely to start to integrate it into a seminar or to make a, a special course about it, maybe the immune system, cardiovascular system, and so on. So these things. And now, in a sense, it's the same. Therefore, it's something that uh, really makes me deeply being satisfied <laughs> with my definition of not being satisfied, which goes along, of course. And the day before I have the next part, it's eight parts, eight evenings, the, the day before, I always move through the slides and there's always something, oh, that's something I could be different. It's, it's better if I do this or that. Mm. So, And this is also something I like. And it's it's a good feeling because last year I had the feeling I I get stuck. There's nothing new. I didn't want just to repeat. This is what I can do, but this is like a robot, a, a little bit. So I needed a little bit more spices and juice <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yeah, and now um. I'm in there. It's the second day, so I have six ahead, and I'm really looking forward to it. For the listeners, this is something that you're you're currently introducing into a program that you're teaching now. Could you share a little bit more? Yeah, I do. It's part of the main education. So it's from the analytical training level one. Uh, after the, the basic courses and all of that. So then they have to move through the 64 hexagrams. Mm -hmm. And this is what I already do every year. In a sense, what I call to put flesh to the bones, just to make it more vital and, and, and physical and so on. And year after year, of course, there's something I add to. I see something that's that's easier to do it this way or that way and so on. And, and this time it was, it was what I wanted to do to give it a totally new, or I say an additional perspective mm -hmm. because it's not different. Yeah. It's just an additional perspective. And yesterday I, I told them as well, just to say, uh, of course we can move through the, the course and uh, we look into the book and I read the, the headline and then all of that stuff. But this is something you can study on your own. Yeah. That's not the sense of the course. But in the end, of course, we will do a kind of, uh, of course, of question and answers because I miss the interaction. Mm -hmm. It's something that's very important to me. It's, it's my my progress, my development. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about something you said. It'll illustrate something very unique about your perspective to people who are listening. You said something about how 
the body graph shows us something about the limitation of our self-reflected consciousness as an individual. Yeah. Limitation, not in terms of, uh, of a negative. Right. But uh, so, for example, if you have one gate in the solar plex system, according to what could happen in this gate, you are limited to this aspect. Or funny example, there was a woman asking for a reading and she had in an open solar plex system, seven unconscious gates. And she only had one question. Why all the men are so difficult? And I said, okay, I can tell you seven reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and we moved through these because when she was alone, everything was nice. <laughs> it was only if, if these guys were, were just around and, and just tick. And always it happens the same. So men are all equal. Yeah. So lack of self-reflected consciousness. Yeah. Th this is something we can, we can just help and we, we can give information. Due to my experience, to give the people a better understanding for themselves, what my goal is to release blame and guilt and shame. Not to feel ashamed about yourself. Not blame yourself because you did or you didn't. Just to see the mechanic, how it's unavoidable that in your case, maybe it worked like this. And because it's unconscious and because it's open, it's not all the time. And it's maybe a little bit logic that you, you don't know where it comes from because it's unconscious. It's just automatically in an open center is always something that's different. But then to see, okay, if you look about the context, where it comes from, what the mechanic is all about, What's the chance you can reflect on? Maybe not in, in the very moment, but maybe afterwards. Mm -hmm. And now if you think about your past, whenever it happens, when did it start? There's a sentence you can say, when this energy married you. Yeah, so, and you can just make a divorce and just say, okay, not in this way, because we live in a polarity. And then to see, okay, What could it be that, that this situation wants to let you know or want, want to tell you? What if you would have behaved in the opposite way? Wasn't allowed? Wasn't it allowed? You were not aware? All of these things. And then to, to relate it to what we can see in the personal body graph. And therefore, to me, even a reading with this perspective becomes a very helpful tool to the soul as well, whatever the soul is. So you, you know what I mean. To make a living as an entity of these three awareness centers. Is there a constant thought that's in your mind when this happens? And then to see where does it come from? Who told you this to be right? What if the opposite would be right? Because it could not be right because you don't feel well. That's the first reflection you can reflect on. So whatsoever. And then maybe to try to figure it out. And because we are all different, the way we think 
are we going in the logical way in terms of right, wrong, good, bad, all of that stuff, or trapped in the process of life and there was something that wasn't allowed to, to be finished. And therefore, you always just, you're in the loop and you can't get out. And therefore, you're experiencing yourself always the same. If someone understands the mechanism, that is that it is a natural mechanism that everybody has as a potential. And then to see, okay, what, what can we do with it? How can we relate to it? What does it tell you? And, and so on. And, and therefore, to maybe to have, uh, to have access to it consciously, even if it's afterwards, we can reflect. And then to work on a change. And maybe the, the next 10 times, you are consciously aware, even afterwards, maybe two times. That's progress. After a while, maybe five times. After a while, one time of these five times, you were able to make something different. It's, it's not something overnight. We are born with self-reflected consciousness. And the way we were reflecting on our life when we were children was completely different. Because the lifespan was very short. This is my life, even when I'm six years old. This is my life because I haven't experienced every, everything different from it. But if I go ahead with it as if I would be a child, but I'm not, that's the reason why so often we have childish reactions of adults. Yeah, it's not regulating the moment. It always tries to regulate something that's a long time ago. That's basic to be human, with design, without design. So that's us. And then to have something that you can say, okay, that's the way you are functioning, your emotional system, your mental capacity, all of that stuff. That's the way how they work together. And this is what you can do with it. Not as a limitation, but as a tool to set you free, to move through. Because the, we know that the limitation is always kind of negative in many people. But limitation is a prerequisite for individuality. And we are here to enjoy our individuality. And even if I'm crazy, enjoy being crazy. <laughs> or if you are weird, enjoy being weird. If it's, if it's authentic, it's okay. Yeah, if you're an anarchist, if you're an heretic, if you're this, if you're that. So if you are a, a, a shit disturber because that's in your design, okay, we need these people. We don't want to stay the same the way it is. There's a poem from, from a German uh, poet. I tried to translate it the part. If you want the world to stay, you have to make sure that the world doesn't stay the way it is. We have to change it to make sure it will remain or endure. That's basically 63. Yeah? Mutation. We have to change direction. Now in these times, we are at this point mm -hmm. where even genetically there's then the mutation and this will change direction. And mutation, it's also something I explained in the course, has several stages. At least it comes to the point of no return. 
Mm -hmm. When the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. So it doesn't go back. The changing of form uh, is just another life. This is also maybe for the way you think. If there's a mutation in your thinking and you think different, you can behave as if you don't know, but you can never get back to the state when you didn't know what you know now. You can ignore it. You can reject it. But you know that's mutation. We can go with the mutation. We can be the mutation. We can ignore it. We can reject it and all of that stuff. So, And we are... <laughs> Right now, we are in the middle of this process. But it needs time because right now, we are not beyond the point of no return. Yeah, the whole world try to hold it back because if we would do it, change the economy, change the ecology, all of that stuff. So therefore, we, we have to, in a sense, to make a mutation. And the joke is just, if we don't do the mutation, nature will make the mutation. And we can go with it or without. Nature doesn't care. And there has to happen something that even countries maybe or governments, they really just make the step and said, we cannot go back. And now they try to solve the problem with Things that causes the problem, more of this, more of the blah, 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 and, and so on. So, and that's that's funny, funny to watch. Wait and see. Well, I just find everything you're saying really fascinating. It sounds like you're, in a way, you're talking about the when you're talking about memory and the experiences we go through, and then the way we sort of project that into our current experience and in this childlike way. It sounds like you're mm-hmm. talking about the process of conditioning, and then with some awareness, with some self-reflective consciousness, the potential of deconditioning. And I'm curious also about, because there's a way that you're talking about mutation. And when I think about mutation, I think about melancholy and the pulse or the, the kind of interaction in terms of those, that part of a certain kind of keynoting in the body graph. Yeah, basically melancholy is something that, that belongs to us. This is something that we need. Otherwise, we can't dive deep into something that's worthwhile. If you listen to many poetries, love songs, whatsoever, they just came out of this melancholy. There's a deep richness inside of it. And during melancholy, because... During to the emotional wave, we have this plateau. You're either above the clouds or below the clouds, but there's nothing in between. So like Icarus, yeah, everything is nice. And then the wings burn and you, boom, okay, welcome back. But it's still moving forward. And this is something you don't feel because due to this energy format, there is like a mathematical, it means impulse equals life. So mathematically, if there's no impulse, it's death. So therefore, it feels like death. Yeah, but you're still breathing, the heart is still beating. It's only the question if you are under the clouds. Sometimes it's hard. I know it from myself as well. So it's the question, what are you doing? Make sure that it's, um, 
that you are in the best state of well-being when you are not in the state of well-being. So it's a question, what are you doing? So, for example, if you are just, you are so sad, so sad, so sad. Okay, take the saddest music you can find. Yeah, move through. Maybe take a bath, light the candles, whatsoever, and really give it. This is something you can make it the change faster because you help the system to move through when you just stop and maybe you, you turn in your mind. The only thing you can do, you try to understand or you try to make sense out of it. Because in the very moment, you don't know. Knowing is in the moment. Either you know or you don't know. So in this moment, you don't know. So it's only the question, what are you doing? Until the next impulse, which gives you the sign, oh, I'm alive, is just showing up. And therefore, to to try to take advantage of it. Yeah. So we talk about melancholy. It's not depression. Depression, it, there's also a difference between being depressed or to suffer from a depression. That's a disease. That's something completely different. Yeah. But melancholy and depressive, um, maybe imagine you, you listen to the saddest music and you are taking a bath and the candles And after a while, mostly there's something, you can't stand this kind of music anymore. You need something different. And you step out of the bath. It it already changed. You changed direction. That's mutation. And then to see, okay, what happens next? To learn to deal with and, in a sense, to take advantage of it. I have this example for myself. You might know this song. I know it from Simon Garfunkel, Bye Bye Love. Bye bye love. Bye bye happiness. Hello loneliness. I think I'm gonna die. I think in this though. I never listened to the text. It was such a funny music. I was singing something and and then I was in this deep, deep sadness. And it was just in the radio. And it was the first time. I was listening to the text. I said, wow. In, in the time of melancholy, you listen to the text. And the text has a deeper meaning to deal with it. I'm a musician, and therefore I have a lot of things to compare with. For example, um, or I have goosebumps. If you listen to one of the last recordings of Johnny Cash, And he sang, if you could read my mind now. And the way he is singing singing this only with the guitar, there is something to me that I can understand something out of these words I have never understood before. And his melancholy and his sadness, because his love is already gone and he's still there and, and all of that stuff. So... To me, that, that's something that has a richness. And there's the question, if we're able to, to see it or take advantage of it. Yeah. Or you, you just watch a movie, which is so sad. Because, on the other hand, that's, that's another aspect. If it makes you cry, 
which is an is a very important part of the soul to wash things out. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, you doesn't have to know why and what it is. When you when you remember 9-11, so there were people crying all over the planet because of this situation, in a sense, for no personal reason, because they didn't have anything to do, even from the culture or, or, or whatsoever. It affects something in people of senseless and losing and, and sadness and, and all of that stuff. And to me, it gave the world the chance to release tears personally, which belong to something personal. But there was no chance to release it and just to give it away. Or the movie Titanic, so another classical thing. If there's a trigger that maybe helps you because it's releasing energy. Crying is releasing energy and giving a relief to the soul. For example, if maybe there's a, there's a movie and there's a situation that makes you cry because it's so beautiful. Very often you don't cry because it's so beautiful. You cry because you feel the pain when this situation was not in your life when it was needed. And what I recommend then to, to clients, and I have various movies, I then recommend this scene and this scene, this because it fits. And then to see, just look it over and over and over and over again. Until to this situation when there are no more tears, then you can relieve it. And the next time when you see this movie, and it comes to this scene, you will not cry. But it was pushing your button, and it helps you to release something. It's a very deep part in terms of self-reflected consciousness as well. So if I ask myself, I have no problems to cry, no matter what situation. So, And then to ask myself, hey, why now? What's happening here? I never say, oh, sorry, because I, I'm crying or because I don't say sorry because I'm laughing. So it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's just an expression of feeling. And maybe it has nothing to do with the current situation, but it has deeply to do with something in my soul. And maybe I cannot make sense out of it. And maybe I don't understand it. That's the knowing circuit. It's emoting. It's not emoting to hold it back, to keep it back, to push it down, to suppress it. It's emoting outside, to the outside. And most people, because of the 22, they want to be polite, and therefore they try not to cry, and they say sorry, and all of that stuff. If someone has the 22, you can talk very special about self-reflected consciousness. Because there's a mechanic inside where people can have severe problems to show it. That's combined with shame. Yeah? Because either they won't feel ashamed themselves, or by expressing it, they want to avoid the other person to feel shame. Maybe you hurt me and I cry, and then the other person feel ashamed because she did this with me. 
And therefore, in order to avoid it, I want to be polite. It's grace. Okay, I don't do it. So that, that's the way how we deal, for example, with shame. And there's another part where it's the question, okay, how we deal with blame. We blame the situation. We blame another person. We blame ourselves. This is something we have learned. But blame and shame is not part of the human nature. Due to the culture, look at the planet Earth. There are different cultures. They don't have it. They don't practice it. And very often, of course, it's related to, not to religion, but to church, to institutions. And we were educated in this field. Even if my parents, they were not part of the church and maybe no religion whatsoever. I had to go to the kindergarten. I had to go to the school. I live in this society. There's something that society is saying that's the right way of behavior. That's the wrong way of behavior. And this is our culture. And it's even different in German than in America or Latin America or Russia. It sounds like we're talking about a form of resistance where there's a natural movement or a natural experience or uh, expression of energy. And yet we're resisting it somehow. We're trying to hold on or we're trying to stop it or suppress it. Yeah, a little bit. We try to obey because we won't belong. Yeah, when you, when you look at the, the very first gate in the first, um, I just had it this moment, morning with a client, um, the very first gate in the first quarter of the incarnation yeah, of course, it starts with the four gates of the Sphinx. So, But then the very first gate, 49, you either belong or not. You, and that's important, you feel being rejected. Doesn't mean you are. You feel being rejected. Or you are rejective because of this and this. And this is the principles of society has nothing to do with ethic and moral and, and all of that stuff. That's just the principle. And this is what we now have with COVID as well. This was the discussion this morning. People, they, they just want to have the vaccine because they want to belong to. Otherwise, they feel like in Stone Age. Yeah. So if you were thrown out of the tribe, you don't get the support. You don't have access to the resources, all of that stuff. So and this is the reason why they, they want to have the vaccine. It has nothing to do with health. has nothing to do with the virus. Nothing. It's only obedience, love, honor, and obey. And every culture has it, the principles. In order to, that's the revolution, it's not about avoiding a community. It's about giving a stable foundation for the right community, 3740, mm -hmm. when you move forward. It's inclusive and exclusive. And in terms of um, obedience, it's the other way around as well. So if someone is really getting angry against me because I'm not vaccinated, my answer was, I know, I know, because I don't obey. You don't like it that I don't obey. Because you obeyed. Otherwise, you have to think difference about obedience. Self-reflected consciousness, yeah? This is what you don't want to do. Then the reaction, okay, goodbye. 
that's something major in this situation. It's about do you obey or not? If you don't obey, other people did obey, so they belong to the group which are nice. They did what society was telling them they had to do, and it's right. And you don't, so you don't belong. You are not allowed even to go to a restaurant, only if you are vaccinated or you move through the disease. Sometimes I think, okay, get me the virus and then we have it, I move through. Mm -hmm. So, But on the other hand, I, I just say, okay, in a restaurant with this restrictive principles, I don't want to give them a dime. <laughs> they don't they don't get my money no they don't have access to my resources that's their decision i don't want to belong to people with this mindset and there are others we have other restaurants they say, they say okay you can be tested as well there are some as well they said it's your responsibility it's not mine i'm not the employee of the government and so there are various groups in the meantime, and we can make a choice according to our principles, to my principles, where I belong to. And I know then automatically I don't belong to another group. But for me, that's not a problem because I had it before, already before. There were groups I never wanted to belong to. Mm -hmm. So, And now it changed a little bit. It almost seems like there's a type of uh, willful ignorance or like intentional denial in all that. If you have that type of awareness or that self-reflective consciousness and you, you see or understand some of the things that you're kind of describing, that this is more about obedience, it's not really about health or it's about belonging or not, entertaining that or going more deeply into that could bring on a process of change. Like you would have yep. to look at the world differently. You would have to, to see that maybe things aren't the way that we thought they were, or there's other things going on that we're not, that we haven't been operating according to. So what I'm saying is that people are just, they don't want to go there. They don't want to see it. They don't want to have that awareness. Yeah. Some people are saying, oh, I never thought about this way. And other people, they don't want to think this way. And then, of course, they are rejecting me due to the, to, the, to the legal rights. They are not allowed to shoot me or so. <laughs> but sometimes it looks like they would mm -hmm. or burn or whatsoever. To me, it's something that I say, okay, nice. You show me your spirit. But that's your spirit. I have no morality in this. because. It just shows the truth. Yeah, that's the way it is with this person. And even if this person doesn't want reflect, I always say now, because it's not eternity. Now. Then that's the truth now. And knowing is about the truth. And knowing is about now. I have my truth now. Can be different next moment, tomorrow. I don't know. But there were things happening, they were mutating my way of thinking about things. So change direction, change the perspective to it. Because I have learned, okay, if something goes on, then first of all, look where the money goes. Then you know the purpose. 
And the second thing always is wants me to think this. Who wants me to believe this? And why does someone wants to think like this, to believe this? That's what's interesting for me. And then if I figure something out, then I, I can say I have my opinion. I have my beliefs. It's also an opinion. It's also belief. But the source in a specific sense is different. And when they now say, okay, they want to, in the middle of the next year, they want 70% of mankind being vaccinated. Just have to look at the stock market. Then you know what's the reason, what's the purpose. So if this would be true, and now in, in most countries on this planet, what they just mentioned, that only 2% two, two are vaccinated. So if it would be that dangerous, they claim it to be to us, they would just million dead people. They have to. Why they are not million or billion of dead people? And they don't want to ask this question. And they don't want to ask you this question. Because it's beside any logical thinking. And logic is science. Or belongs to science. And so on. And there's really something, something going on. And it depends if the, the media, if, if they maybe after a while, just start to think a little bit different. But therefore, it has to happen something different. They cannot close their eyes any longer in terms of this. And therefore, it's an open horizon. I don't know. To me, personally, I take advantage of this situation just to watch it, to look at it, to reflect on it, on my emotions, what it's doing with me. Where does it come from? How do I feel? Why am I thinking the way I'm thinking? And this is something I can do for myself. And it brought me to the point when I, when I have a discussion with someone, even if, if it's, it's a kind of a military opposite, yeah? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I stay calm. I have a clear position. I listen. I can watch him. It's okay. It's his responsibility. Is his way to deal with it and so on, but we are not in resonance. I can give him some additional information if he wants to listen, if he wants to have it. Then my experience is we have interesting informations and discussions. And if not, okay, I don't want to waste my time. How much of this could we say would be related to the overall changes that we're seeing in the global program, the changing of the global cycles, talking about the solar plexus a moment ago and gate 49 and 55, the, the spirit. Do you look at it that way? The basic and the main shift is about the larger planets moving through the knowing circuit. So we had Saturn, 61, yeah, and then going to 60. And we will have it with Pluto as well. And they all gave back and forth and back and forth and, and so on. So we have 61, 60. So we have both centers, starting centers of individuality, um, preparing a mutation. And to my 
perspective or point of view because we need the point of no return and it's not here. The main part will happen next year because this is when Pluto is going in the sixth year's gate. And then we have it in the root, which is existential. And it will be an existential change. And because Pluto is very slow, Pluto is a, is a planet which belongs to more generations than just me. So th this points to, to an aspect in myself, in my bio biography, which has a relationship to my grandparents as well. And it moves through. So therefore, it is about a generational mutation. And this is what we have genetically as well, because afterwards, Pluto is, will, will go into the 41, and that's the start codon. The mutation has to be finished, and the mutation doesn't mean that we reach the destiny. It's only just moving the track towards the destiny. So and this is just, okay, change it. And then we have the start codon. And to my philosophy, in the long-term development, afterwards, so it will start something new, and afterwards it will move into the 19th gate. And the 19th gate is about the demands, the demands of resources. And I think that in this time, we have to start to think about our new demands in society, in economy, all of that stuff, we have to define them in a new way. Mm -hmm. The access to resources, how to deal it in the old way, in the new way, what do you want to have? And therefore we have to change our principles because this is synthesis, yeah, a design of a sensitivity. We have to, to deal in a sensitive way with the demands and availability of resources of the planet Earth, of even people as a resource, as working people or, or whatsoever. So I don't know what, what will be there. To me, it's obvious. We need the mutation. We need the point of no return. We are far away from it. But it will come, of course. Then it will have a new start. The hunger for starting something new and the decrease, what's really important, then to see, okay, what are our new demands for the new cycle related to the resources which are available and how to deal with the resources and to see it's really necessary. For example, that we have two cars in the family or, or this and this, so it will be something different as well. Yes, of course. On the other side of the mutation, Everything is a speculation. I don't know. It's just something that, due to my perspective, with this long-term change in a specific sense, because this is basically what Pluto is, is doing. Yeah? Because Pluto is so slow for many years in one gate, you can probably mostly not see the change as long as Pluto is in the gate. Yeah, I take the, when you look back, when Pluto was discovered, they discovered because they did photos and they put it on top. So the negative, yeah. yeah so you have one and they put it and then they just um, witnesses. There was one point a little bit away. So mm -hmm. there must be something. Then they did it over time, the next 
And so they figured out there's something moving. And that was the way Pluto was discovered. The difference, the change, it's so slow. That's the reason why many people with their Pluto position, they think that's not a topic to me. Because even in 10 years, you don't experience a change. But if you look at it in decades and then back, there's something different. And then to see this is a generational theme. This is not only yours. This is something that was given by your parents from your grandparents. This is how I work with it in terms of society, economy, because it was different to the time of my, my grandparents. When I look in Germany, it was uh, Adolf Hitler. And before we had this monarchy, if a generation was raised in a monarchy, so where the king is like God, so it's obvious that they either come into the time of the Nazis, of the fascism. So there's something that's moving through. And the problem, according to Germany, is still not solved because it's still there. We can only look which part of it is inside of me. And it doesn't have to do automatically something with uh, maybe the fascism or, or something like that, but with a generational topic, which is in my family genetically, then to deal with it. It's so interesting for me to feel your perspective because there's a way you're, you're talking about mutation and even just our our interaction with what is with some agency, like you're, you're talking about it, like we can work with this, you know, there's a way you can, you can interact with this, you know, or you can kind of make it harder on yourself in some way. (laughs) (laughs) So as we're looking at this more collective level, this bigger progression that we're going Mm -hmm. through, Mm -hmm. It seems on some level that at some point you're saying we're in the preparation for the mutation, but at some point the mutation comes, it is, we don't, we can't stop it. Mm -hmm. Is there some way you see how that might play out for sort of humanity on a broader level? Yeah. Yeah. Because mutation has three levels. The first level is that you are, that they are constant and impulse. But you don't change. But it's always there. For some people, when they started with design, before they started with design, some people maybe they heard about, but it has an effect. And they heard about again and again and again and again. Yeah. And then you need the right impulse at the right time, which you cannot make. It has to be made. It's only by inspiration, never by intention. If the right impulse come, it gets you. And then maybe you say, now I want to know. Give me a reading. And for some people, it's the same than if they want to do a course. They have to hear about it. They read about it. It's the impulse, the impulse, the impulse, the impulse. And either there is the right inspiration in the right way at the right time, And it makes click inside of you. And you said, now I do the living design. 
And for some people, it's just the first impulse, hey, come on, I'm in. Someone else, it needs a year. You always talk about, you always talk about. And as well, this is part of the mutation. If you try to convince someone and you have the intention that he should do it, you will never do it and he will never do it. If you are, that's a knowing circuit. If you are an inspiration. So that, that's the chance where you, can, where you can change everything in a sense. So that's, that's the first stage. Yeah. Then when it guts you, the second stage is about creating a chaos. When you say yes, you start a chaos. Yeah. Because you have new knowing. Now you have this chaotic thinking, this and this and what I, what I did whatsoever. Even if you then maybe start and you make the, the first seminar, it's a chaos because you don't know where to put it and, and it's lying on the desk and everywhere. So it's a chaos just. And chaos, the, the second part of, of the mutation, that's the most infective part and the most creative. That's so important. Why we have to laugh chaos if there's something new. That's the thing. Yeah, because if you have chaos at home and your partner comes along, maybe it's the inspiration. Hey, darling, what's that? Without a chaos, there would be no interest. Yeah, and then you can have the rejection. Put away this chaos. I don't like this chaos whatsoever. So, okay, but it's there. And then finally, when you went through all of that stuff, even at home, everything has its place. There's the book, there's these, there's these, there's this. No more chaos. What a pity. No infection to other people, yes? And then you have the manifestation of the mutation. In between, you can have a time of chaos for seven years and maybe someone else for one year. Some people have the time frame for this starting impulses over and over again, over and over again, maybe for three years. Yeah, in a sense, this is what we have now with climate change, climate change, climate change, climate change. We have to do something. We have to do something. We have to do something. So the impulse is constantly more and more and more and more. And it needs the right impulse at the right time in the right manner, which cannot be made. It must be an inspiration. And it can be an inspiration for someone. So Greta Thunberg, for example, she was an inspiration for so many people and changed something. Okay, on the other side, if we don't follow the inspiration or if we don't do the inspiration, nature will give an inspiration. What about the next flood? What about the next earthquake? What about the next soul? Mother Nature has a lot of chances to give us inspiration to make a change. It will happen unavoidably. And that's a basic law. Either by we doing it and following it, or we will be forced to. Mm -hmm. The result will, very will be very similar. With your body, let's stay inside of the body graph. If you don't give the body what the body wants to have, taking a break, stepping out, regenerating whatsoever, so 
you ignore the need of the body for it, there will be a point where the body will say, okay, now I force you to give it to me. And I have a lot of chronic diseases I can give you as an, as an offer. <laughs> so therefore, the rest of your life, you will just be take care of me every day. So that's not a problem. If we don't pay attention to what the body needs, we have to pay the bills. Invest into it and stay with it or take all the profit out of it. And then in the end, you have to pay the bill. The body will always present the bill. Why are we not listening to the body? Is it because the mind thinks that it knows better? Yeah. And okay, the other point, we are, we're not educated to listen to our demands, personal, individual demands. It starts for as simple as that. It starts with school. You have to get up early and to go to school. It's for some organism bodies, it's torture. It's torture. Mm -hmm. And therefore other things as well. And we know it with eating as well. Now it's eight o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning, you have to have your breakfast. And now it's one o'clock and now we have lunch. And this is what we eat today. It's the education. We have learned this. And Sunday we go to church. So the principles of the tribe, and they are different everywhere. And this is the ego circuit. And the ego circuit represents the body because this is the material world. And you see, the ego circuit has no mind. Therefore, I like in English, you can say it better. Never mind. And that's the 21. The body wants to be in control. The body doesn't want to be under control. Basically, if you have it activated or not, doesn't make any difference. Okay, it makes a difference because if it's more important. But basically, just by nature, the body doesn't want to be under control. And this is what we say in the human science system as well. So the inner authority is never the mind. It's always underneath the throat. And we have two awareness centers in the ego circuit. Yeah, and you can listen to your emotionality. And you can listen to your overall well-being in the very moment. Even if both of them are defined. What I call the climate, which is the solar plex, and the current weather, that's the, the splenic center. And there's both. I have it inside of me. Both. Mm -hmm. And maybe I have a, a climate this day, which is Martin Sunshine. And next day, I have a climate of Martin Cloudy. But in front of this, the weather can be, yeah, it's a well-being. Even if I'm cloudy, there's a well-being. And not to work against with it or so, just to see, yeah, it's a rainy day, it's a sunny day, it's a matter of clothes or whatsoever. But it's the body. It's the, the, we haven't learned to listen to the language of the body. We haven't learned how the body speaks to us. Yeah, for many people, being nervous is something negative. Never. We don't have it as a punishment. 
nervousness is something that just tells you, be cautious with yourself. Maybe step back. Maybe it's good to go to the bathroom. Something you can always do. And then you are out. Take a deep breath. Drink something. And then also you, you can say, oh, I'm sorry. I have problems with my digestive system. I have to go home. Nobody will hold you back. So we haven't learned to deal with ourselves so that we can be, yeah, the ego service is about support. We have to support our body in the way the body has its needs. The body has its principles so that we can build a community with the flesh to work together, all of that stuff, to allow the body to be in control. And we are living in the world which is visual, which is mental. Once I wrote an article, who is in control? Because when you look at the, at the wheel, you have the 21 and the 17th gate. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the ancient law who wants to rule must know how to serve. When the mind, it's the same amino acid, by the way. Yeah. So when, when the mind wants to be the ruler, the body has to serve. But when the body is in control, the mind has to follow the law of the body and to be of service to the body. And in a specific sense, this is what we want to do with the human design system. Look at your body graph. Hopefully the mind understands and then is able to follow the laws which are of service to you and which laws are of service to you, we can tell you it's in your body graph. What's your inner authority? What's your genetic type in terms of making a decision and and, and reacting to dealing with the world whatsoever? So this is something you can watch your body, what happens if you obey these physical laws. It's not mental. Or if you reject them. And many people, they can just tell a lot of stories what happened when they reject them. But there is a purpose. We have to learn and to learn how it feels when we are working against ourselves. This is important. We have to have this agenda of minus 10 and plus 10 in order to know how it feels when it's wrong. And then to move out into the world and to say, okay, I'm glad that I immediately can feel when something is wrong for me. And I take this signal and say, hey, there's something wrong. Self-reflected consciousness. And then we can take advantage of it. And not blame the childhood, not blaming our our parents and so on. Whenever we blame, we make ourselves a victim. And we are dependent on the other because then the solution is by the other. If we step out of this business, we can say, okay, I can do something about it. I can do something with it. It's so powerful what you're saying. There's this whole theme about obedience, right? Through all of it. Who and what are we obedient to? And how does that play out? I mean, you you were talking about this confrontation that is happening, you know, on a societal level 
for those of us, if we're not obedient to what society is currently saying is necessary. And then on an individual level, what we discover through self-reflected consciousness about what happens when we're not obedient to the nature within us and the consequences that has for the body. Yeah, and they change the principles. If you want to have freedom, you have to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. What's that kind of principle? Completely change. And this is how they can get people. And then you see the purpose. Who wants me to do this? Why does someone want me to do this? And then I see it's not in resonance, I'm sorry, with my principles. And I stay with my principles. It's not that other people have to follow my principles. It's my principle. And there are a lot of people outside, they have the same principle. And so we are building, in a sense, different groups. Before, there were already different groups, Mm -hmm. according to other topics and subjects and, and so on. So it's nothing different. So it's a rearrangement. And then to see, okay, what happens, even what happens with society, because vaccination has also, of course, an impact to your brain and then the way you're thinking. And then it's easy that you think that this principle is right. And sometimes, to me, so between us, I said they they are not vaccinated in their arm. To me, they are vaccinated in their brain because they all think the same. I was working for decades with classical homeopathy. I was always confronted with vaccinated children and the consequences and all of that stuff. So, And we know due to science and research and all of that stuff that every vaccination has an impact to the brain. It's not possible that it doesn't have. That's a central station. And therefore, I want to keep my brain as protected as possible. And so therefore, everybody has its principle. And if it's authentic, and if it's okay and true, and I know people, for them, it is the way, and they are vaccinated, and they have their principles, and they explain it, and it's very, in a sense, logical whatsoever. And we are friends, and that's okay. They don't want me to obey. Because I don't want them to obey my principles whatsoever. So we said, okay, this is my individuality and authenticity. And that's just me. It has nothing to do with you. And then we are again, we are in the ego circuit and on on the right side. It's about acknowledgement. It's about recognition. It's about valuing. It's about respecting. It's about dealing in a loving way. These are the basic principles in terms of how to deal with each other. And even in this context, you can have, according to your body, different principles. And you obey them. And they have their principles, they obey them, and they are vaccinated whatsoever. And, but they don't make a, a thing out of it. So it's just their position. They know mine. And it doesn't change anything between us. And this is also a principle to deal with each other. And it's just respect. It's a crazy world. Huh? <laughs> it is. It sure is. Uh, but I think that's yeah. one of the things maybe that 
maybe just the fact that there's this basis in human design, this basic concept of respect for differentiation. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that was a huge, felt like a huge recognition for me when I first discovered it, when I first came in contact with it, that there was something that was so deeply honoring of the differences between us without the assumption that we should all be the same. And Mm -hmm. for me, it was like, thank God it's okay to be different or to have differences. For me personally, I think that's really helped me in the midst of what's going on in the world to be able to maintain a way of respecting other people that can say, yes, you make your choices. I make mine. You follow you follow mm-hmm. what you follow. You're obedient to what you would choose to be obedient to. And I'm obedient yeah. to what to what I see as the truth. And I can live with that. I don't have to try to enforce my principles on you. Yeah, because of your individuality, it means you empower yourself first. And for your individuality, it would be okay just to, to be a relief. You are allowed to be different. And second, you are right to be different. And you are only right by being different. I love what you said as well, because I feel this also that I can't enforce that kind of like you were saying about mutation. I can't enforce that moment when the impulse actually comes to fruition. Mm -hmm. I can't enforce that on someone else. At best, I can inspire that. It is a crazy world. It seems like there's a a surfacing of truth or something over time where what's concealed or what's below the surface is kind of being brought up one way or the other through a messy process in the world. But there seems to be some sort of thematic there where what is concealed or what's been hidden or suppressed is going to make it up to the surface and we're going to be dealing with it one way or the other. Are you seeing that as well? Or do you do you have a sense of what I'm looking at? Yeah. To me, that's the task of Pluto. Yeah. The, pl- the Pluto is lifting the carpet and just saying, Hey, come on, what's here. Yeah. To try to put it under the carpet and Pluto's coming. Hey, <laughs> and it's all dirt, old, very old dirt and very old. So, <clears throat> but we have to face it. And therefore, this is what I mean. It can come from a former generation. You were just living in this house, but there was someone living before you were living there. And then you lift the carpet and that's not yours. But now it's yours because <laughs> it's your house. So, so there, yeah, your body in, in this sense. And this is what what's Pluto is doing. And when we look back in terms how we deal with economy and capitalism, just for some, just only make money and people are not important. Money is the most important. Nature is not important. Making money is important. So all of that stuff, that's, that's something, it, it's very old. It's old generation. The way we started to deal with nature, to put the garbage somewhere, to dig everything out of Mother Earth, just to make a profit whatsoever. Never think about million of years to produce this oil or what's there within one generation everything put out this cracking yeah 
to get access to the gas and so this is so devastating but it's a spirit that from the beginning of the last century and we were educated by people who were educating us this is the way we deal with it and that's okay and that's right this is the way how it worked all the time and we have this progress otherwise we wouldn't have this progress and cars and machines and uh, electricity all of that if we don't think in a different way and then behave in a different way we will not change but what we have done already with mother nature and with society and all of us and so on it will change us and we can do it with free will or with pain and it seems we will do it with pain but if you look at at private life of many people they try to hold it as long as possible and if the pain is just big enough they change something for example with healthcare to do prevention why should i i'm healthy so but if i'm not i have to do something but of course you can do something in preventive what i always say we are brushing our teeth i did it for decades it's nonsense to continue with it i should stop with it that's prevention but we are more than only two pairs of teeth and the body that's also basic law of the body the body has the capacity to compensate a lot of things over decades but when it comes to the decompensation it's no longer possible and then you have the chronic parts for the rest of your life that's a basic law of that's a principle of the body and we can take it into consideration and behave accordingly and to help the body because the quality of our future is dependent on what we are able and willing to do today to maintain to stay with it to work against a decrease whatsoever and that's something that's possible and if we don't do so the body will present us the bill and that's not a punishment that's a consequence therefore it's up to us it's ironic that it's often by the time that most of us start really paying attention to something that the body's been telling us for a while when it gets loud enough there it's it's more than a missed opportunity for preventative or that type of awareness but it's often too late in a lot of cases to go back to where you were and reverse it not to say it it always is but that seems to be the pattern i have my own personal example of a issue that i've been watching with my big toe where it was starting to get sore and i kind of ignored it got stiff for years and i ended up having to get toe surgery as a result because i it got so bad i couldn't walk and i had been watching it putting it off you know waiting for years and i knew that if i had gone and done you know physical rehab on it or gotten other forms of treatment that were less invasive or less extreme than surgery i probably could have held it off and addressed it but um i let it get to that point but that yeah. seems to be the way we do almost everything 
Yeah, and the other solution, what my, many people prefer, then they just go to the pharmaceutical industry and get some pills against. So they don't change it. They don't change their behavior. They don't change anything like this to take care and so on. They just do something against it. And after a while, they have to deal with the side effects. And then they take a medicine against the side effects. And then they have additional side effects because of the of the medicine against the side effects. Yeah, this is the basic law of 4426, manipulation. You can manipulate your body. If you do so, the body will manipulate against the manipulation. Then you can manipulate against the manipulation of the body against your manipulation. It goes down. And the body will always win, always, even to the final, to say, okay, if you don't want to live with me, let's end this business. <laughs> Last breath, goodbye. It's also a solution. And these are basic physical laws within us. And we haven't learned them. We weren't educated in them. And to me, design gives us a chance to, in a sense, to rebound, to get in contact with it again. And then for children, in this sense, just to have the chance to give them a better start. And then the future has the chance to be better, whatever it may be. The problems will be always there, but maybe the capacity of the people to handle them will be better. Because without problems and crisis, and so we know there's no progress. So we need it for maturing, for growth, and so on. The, the question, are we equipped to it? Are we able to do it? Are we obeying old programs which doesn't fit into the current moment because it's just something we repeat something from the past? And it was always this way and it will be. And to me today, the only question is, do we have self-reflected consciousness? It's not about what we are doing. It's the question why we are doing what we are doing. And if you are in contact with the why, you can find the solution. I just had it with, <clears throat> with this course when I started the course. And there was someone who, who said over a longer time, I can't make a decision. I'm not sure. I have to listen to my inner authority and all of that stuff. And there was this, this part of me. I said, could it be you want to, to you wait for an answer to the wrong question? If the question is wrong, you can never find an answer. What was the question? And the question was, do I want to make this course? And that's the wrong question. I said, that's technical. That's logical. That's this. You want to have, have an emotional answer to it? How, how does it work? And I did a spoken message to it, send it. I said, maybe it's a very better question to ask you, why you want to make this course. And the question would be, are you interested in what I'm able to tell you? That's the question. And if you are to make this course, it's a logical consequence. So that's secondary. And I sent him this question. I, I wasn't sure if this was, but that, that's the main topic. The next day, the answer was, yes, I signed him. 
<laughs> yes. It could also be no. I'm not interested in what you're telling you. I want to make this ATL1. Can do it with someone else as well. So that's not up to you. Then it would be a clearness inside. When we go down to why we are doing something, what's beneath? And then there is a technique. If you just say why and you have a why, then you can ask this why is this the why? And why is this the why? Why is this the why? You can come to, to something inside of you you have never been aware of, that this is a motivation. It's a short video. You might know it from Simon Sinek. Start with why. Just look at it. I recommended it to him as well. Just look at it. Start with why. It's not about what. Not about how. It's always why. Everything we did in life, there was... The motivation was there was a reason why we did this. And if you did something, maybe it didn't work in the right direction whatsoever. Maybe if you think about why have I done this? Because this guy tried to convince me and I said, yes, it was a mental decision. And this is like playing roulette. Yeah, it's black or red where it ends up to. It can be right. It can be wrong. But that's just an assumption. This is also part of self-reflected consciousness. Be consciously aware why you say yes or no. The more you are consciously aware about it and you figured it out, you are closer to yourself. It gives you strength. That's your truth. Yeah, that's why I did it or I didn't. And it always comes back to our individuality. And then to our physiology, because everything is biochemistry, everything is physiology. If you think, yes, you have a specific, you, you can measure it, you have a specific biochemistry. If you say no, yeah, this is no, I'm against, I don't want whatsoever, you have a different biochemistry. So we can experience it physically if we pay attention. Again, this is something we haven't learned. Maybe as parents, if you have a, a child which is uh, emotionally defined, never ask, what do you think? How do you think with this? Always ask, how do you feel about it? What does it make you feel? And because emotio is not, is not ratio, it's not thinking, it doesn't mean you have to explain it. If you say, I feel sad, I feel bad, yeah, that's the truth. Not why. Maybe you don't know yet. It's still an open book. <laughs> this <laughs> I love that. It's such an elegant point, though, that you're making how simple and direct it is to be able to recognize. Sometimes it's just to get to the right question mm -hmm. elicits a clarity of response or a clarity of knowing that that can't be there if the question is irrelevant to us but we're fixated on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In relationship to this why, what I was hearing is kind of how we're meeting the conditioning, how we're meeting the conditioning or life as it's happening as ourselves, kind of bringing that around to strategy and authority. Do you see these things being related? How are we entering into things? How are we meeting the conditioning? Are we operating from mental decision-making or 
Is there recognition if you're a projector? And is that part of the why? Yes. For example, if you, ta- if you take it with an emotional authority, the why you can say because my emotional system agrees with it. That doesn't have to be logical. You can also say because it feels comfortable to me. It feels like taking a warm bath, whatever your description in the sense is all about. Everything that's in the body, it doesn't mean that at the same time we have the right words for it to verbalize it. It can be. We can be very surprised what comes out, of course. But there can also be the situation that I can also say it's correct for me. Even if you have thought about, even if you have very smart explanations, all of that stuff, you have to experience it. And the basic thing is about life has to be lived forward. To reflect on is backward. So if you don't live forward, there's nothing to reflect on. And this is, if you look at the abysmal saying, yes, this is just jumping down into the, into the deep. And it can be very deep and never-ending, seems to be whatsoever. And it can be very easily. Many times when we look back, what we experienced after we have said, okay, I do this, was never in total what we have expected and what we experienced then. You know, take your relationship. So when you stepped into your relationship, there was a different purpose than to experience what you are now experiencing in your relationship. And that's natural. And therefore, we need the basic yes for it. I take the risk and to see what happens mm-hmm. and to make the best out of, out of it. For me, for you, for both of us, whatsoever. And then it needs communication and how do you feel and what do you think? And we can all, all of these things have and, and then step by step, in a sense, to grow into something new because one and one equals three. And then to create something that's bigger than the parts of the two of us. That's to me, that's relationship. How do we relate to what we create? And this is what you see in the composite. Then you have a chart where both of them are in. It's not about that's you, that's me, that this and this and that. Okay, that's, these are the details we can see how it works. But basically, it's the question, we create something as an energy together, which cannot be created in another combination. So this is unique. We're giving birth to something. And then how we relate to this child, to let it grow, to work with it, to deal with it. And then to see, when we look into the detail, just to see, okay, what we see, what's a compromise, what's a dominant, what's this and this and that. And okay, these are the laws which are there. And there's also this love, honor, and obey. Yeah, the third part. Because this is something we created together, and this is not for blaming someone else or blame yourself or feeling ashamed or whatsoever. This is the, the, greater, the greater part. 
Yeah, this is uh, the basic law of, of this earth as well. Every life form is growth and contribution. Every plant has in it the basic law of growth and contribution. Every plant is doing this. Every animal is doing it. By living it out, it's just growth for themselves and make a contribution. Consciously aware or not, doesn't matter. And that's why we are here as well. That's the capacity to, to transcend the ego. We are here on this planet for growth and contribution. That's beyond this ego things. And if we step in this manner into a relationship to say this, this is the basis for us, the basic for us to grow and to make a contribution to the world in this one and one equals three. And also in the way we relate to our creation, we can contribute something to it. And then to see how can I contribute what I carry in myself to this new creation. And therefore, of course, we have to work on ourselves. We have to reflect and to talk with each other. So the most important part is communication. To try to do this in authenticity and with truth, with honesty. Then it can work. If it will be, you can experience. That's the tool we have. One of the things that's so interesting about this conversation and some of the perspective you've been sharing through the lens of human design and in particular the body graph is that human design seems to be describing things as they are, how the pattern, the formula, mm -hmm. and our experience of being on this planet as humans. Mm -hmm. And yet it's framed in the context of uh, a human torso, nine-centered being. I know there's other forms, there's other types of uh, design. It's, it's just kind of amazing and fascinating to me that there's so much inherent in the the pattern, the form, the, the mechanics of the body graph. It's a human design. I guess a, its own form of kind of self-reflective consciousness. It's interesting to try to, to hold that or to comprehend that. It's, it's all in there, it seems like, at least from our point of view, from our experience. Yeah, and then if you know it, you don't expect something different because that's the way you have created as well. And if you want to have something different, okay, then it doesn't work. You can say this one and one is three. It starts with yourself. You have design and personality. So one and one equals three. And then you start and there's the question, how do you relate to yourself? How do you relate to this creation, which come together with personality, a design personality? It's a creation. And then you, one and one equals three, you create something which is more than you, in a sense, with someone else, so that this, what you create, is more than you, than both of you. And then to relate, to, how to relate to, and then to see, okay, what you can do with it as a contribution. Not to expect something what maybe mentally would, would love to have, but more to see what's the beauty that, that's given to you. 
And then you are again 49. Rejection, principles. Yeah, you see the, the principles. These are the principles. So now you can love, honor, and obey without being a victim. But this is something that gives freedom to what's there. And then to see what's there, how to deal with it the best, how to apply it, how to relate to. And again, when you go right side ego circuit, in a loving way, respect what's there, recognizing, acknowledgement. And you see a lot of couples, they don't do it. They don't respect, they work against, there's no recognition, there's no acknowledgement, there's rejection. There's ignoring. That's the most painful. I can kind of see what you were saying earlier about how many of us sort of hold these past experiences that then get imposed on our -hmm. our current situation and Mm -hmm. how often we can find in relationship that it is, it can look and feel like that. Like it's these two, two sort of isolated movies happening without the capacity to to sort of part the mm-hmm. part the curtains and actually see into each other with the things you're talking mm-hmm. about with just respect honesty communication yeah and the right side in the ego circuit is about touch and touching is a language doesn't need the mind sometimes give a hug is much more than say something yes and then you see how many couples they don't touch it anymore. The, the, the basic is, isn't there. The magic, the chemistry, whatsoever. If they are happy with it and it's both of them the same and it's their principle whatsoever, so okay. They have another connection. But if you see it in the body graph and they don't touch. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can imagine how it was in the childhood. Yeah, There's I, a lot of pain, a lot of pain in the skin. They don't want to get in, in touch, in touch, the touch, in touch with the pain. Because maybe if you are touching me, I feel my pain it had nothing to do with you. Yeah. And therefore I reject you touching me. There, there are so many motivations. Then if you step back to the why, why? What's your fear? Well, I'm really grateful for this conversation. I'm actually really grateful for the thing you mentioned as well about crying because it's Mm -hmm. been such a experience of, I think, just cleansing and deconditioning for me to to cry. And so many times when I don't know why. And I noticed that thing that you mentioned about um, Mm -hmm. how apologetic so many of us are about that. And I see that happen all the time. And readings or in classes, something touches someone and then there's this movement and it's, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's to me, it's always Mm -hmm. like, no, good. Yes. Let's, let's let it move. But I feel that even just sitting with you and, and hearing you speak the truth that every time we do it, it moves something in me. So I'm grateful for that. And I know we've gotten so much great feedback from others about just the effect of your presence and what you have to share through this format that people have been really moved by that. So thank you for spending this time with us. I love to do it. Mm-hmm. So my notes are in the 40, uh, 45 and that's a gate of giving. So I have to give what I have. And only when I give, 
I experience what I have. And that's part of my, in a sense, my fulfillment. Mm -hmm. It's not gathering for holding it. Yeah, this would be, even to the digestive system, just an obstipation. And it's getting dry whatsoever. So it's very important to, to give. Because what was given to us was not given to us to hold it back. It was given to us to give it. And by giving, you can experience what you have. The only things you have is what you can't lose by giving. This is what you really have. And what I'm doing here is giving what I have and being aware I can never lose it. I can only give it. And experiencing this, this giving, and by doing so, what I have to give, what, what's there, so it's fulfilling. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you, Wendy. Thank you so much. Very well. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. You can find us at humandesigncollective.com and explore our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast is courtesy of Anders Parker. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for upcoming episodes on the same channel. <laughs>